0: Following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw or our teaching resources, visit www.shore.org.nz. I heard on the radio or on a podcast I was listening to. I heard heard it somewhere that scientists think that eighty uh, percent of what we see is made up in our memory. Isn't that interesting? That our minds actually make up so much of what we're visualizing and what we're seeing. And uh, I was thinking, you know, I'd do a lot better in life if I have a lot of information. Information helps me put together the whole picture. It helps me um, to be able to think through things if I can have a bigger picture with the information of what's going on. But oftentimes we're faced with times in life where we just can't get all the information that we want before we have to make decisions. And so we make decisions uh, based on the information we have at the time. We try to make the best decision that we can at the time. But most of the time, we don't have all the information that we would want to have before we do that. And so we're often faced with situations and circumstances where we simply don't have all the information. And today, I want to look at the book of Job. And Job was, was faced with circumstances and situations that he found himself in that, where he didn't have all the information. He especially didn't have the information as to why he was facing all that he was facing. And so the book of Job is found in the Old Testament, if you're not familiar with Job. And uh, Job was a wealthy man from the land of Uz, not the land of Oz, but the land of Uz. And uh, Job was a wealthy man. He had a large family and he had lots of flocks of sheep because he was a wealthy man in his day. And the Bible says that Job was also blameless and upright. And it says this in verse 1, that he was always careful to avoid doing evil. But one day, Satan approaches God in the heavenly realms. And Satan argues that the only reason Job is a good guy, the only reason that Job is faithful to him, is because God had blessed him with riches and wealth. And so Satan was convinced that if, If Satan could take away his wealth and make him suffer, that he would turn his back on God. And so Satan challenges God. He says, give me permission to inflict pain on on Job, and he will turn away from you. And so God allows Job to be tormented by Satan, really. God allows Satan to, to cause trouble and hardship and suffering in Job's life. And so one of the biggest questions that skeptics have about the book of Job is simply this. Why would God allow Satan to cause so much suffering in Job's life? Why would God allow it? And at first glance, when you read the book of Job, it's pretty rough. It's a big challenge, isn't it? It does seem pretty harsh that God would allow that. But as I studied the book and as I read through it and I stepped back and tried to gain a a bigger picture of what was going on, And also put it in the context of our lives today. I began to realize that suffering and trouble is not unique to Job. That God never told us that our faithfulness would lead to a life without trouble. In fact, the exact opposite is true in Scripture. Scripture tells us that we will have have trouble in this life. And none of us will get to escape that. And that Satan is the ruler of this world. And I think... I think we sometimes forget those truths in this life. We live life in hopes that we won't have to face those troubles. But you know, Satan is also, in our day, always trying to cause trouble in our lives. And always trying to disrupt our faith in God. And I think, I believe that this is the real point of the book of Job. That in some sense, the book of Job captures the essence of the struggle of living in this world, regardless of the times in which we live. The fact is that this world, as we know it, is full of brokenness. And no matter how you cut it, no one will escape trouble and suffering in your life. At some point, we will all have to go through it. And so the question is, can we, like Job, remain faithful In the midst of the trouble. That's the real question. Are we able to find God and cling to God even in the midst of trouble and suffering? And this is the question that was asked of Job. When Satan approached God, God knew without a doubt that Job would be faithful to him regardless of what Satan was able to put him through. No matter the trouble that Satan brought upon Job, Job would remain faithful But you know, a thought occurred to me as I was studying this, and that that is that in the story of Job, we see no guarantees that Job wouldn't have had to go through these things anyway. I mean, after all, life is hard, particularly when you're talking about thousands of years ago, before the modern medicines that we have today, life was difficult. We have a hard time thinking about how hard life was even a hundred years ago, before we had antibiotics and painkillers and vaccines And all the things that we have in our society today that that take away some of our pain and that enable us to live lives that are longer and healthier than they would have in the days of Job for sure. And people of the past often died of illnesses and diseases that we get today and don't even give it much thought. And so it's quite possible that God foresaw that Job would suffer like this anyways and he allowed Job to go through it. Now that's That part's just speculation on my part. But what is it about Job that made him special? That made him faithful, faithful enough to endure all the suffering that he had to go through? You see, the story of Job is a story of a man who was faithfully living for God. And he was faithfully living for God when he had abundance and when he had very little. He was still faithful to God. But you know, the book of Job The story of Job is also a story of his three friends and the accusations that his three friends brought to him. And so today, I want to look at the book of Job from the perspective of the accusations of his three friends. So, accusation number one from his friend Eliphaz. And when I see Old Testament names, I just say them quickly and act as though I know how they're supposed to be pronounced. So accusation number one from Eliphaz. Eliphaz effectively says to Job, the reason you're suffering is because you must have some unconfessed sin in your life. He says in chapter four, consider now who being innocent has ever perished. As I have have observed, those who plow evil and who sow trouble reap it. That's what Eliphaz said to Job. Basically he's saying to Job, If you were innocent of sin, you wouldn't be suffering. I've heard this said many times to people who have approached me from other church backgrounds and other religious backgrounds. They've been told that the leaders have often told them things like this, that the reason you weren't healed is because you didn't have enough faith. Or the reason you weren't healed is because You must have some unconfessed sin in your life. In fact, my grandfather, he died in 1969 just before I was born. And uh, he died of multiple heart attacks. They didn't know how to handle heart attacks in the 60s. And he died at a pretty young age. And looking at it from my perspective now, a very young age of just 52 years old. And my aunt, my dad's sister, she told me, that the reason she gave up her faith in God and the reason that she doesn't want anything to do with God even today is that a pastor told her the reason her father died was because he had unconfessed sin in his life. And so to this day, my aunt no longer believes in God and refuses to have anything to do with the church. So for me, the real sin is this accusation itself. Here's Job's reply to his friend. He says in chapter 6, you have proved to be of no help. <laughs> he says, if I have sinned, please tell me how. I was thinking about uh, Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says this. He says that God makes his sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. In other words, life happens to everyone. Life happens to everyone. Good things and bad things come upon everyone. Now Jesus was specifically speaking here in Matthew chapter 5 about um, how we should love and pray for those who are close to us, and we should love and pray for our enemies as well. But notice what Jesus didn't say there. Jesus didn't say that a person's faith determines the amount of good or bad that happens to them. The Bible never tells us that. The Bible doesn't equate our faithfulness or our lack of faith with how much suffering we're going to go through. The Apostle Paul said in Corinthians to the Corinthian believers in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he said, The God of all comfort, comfort comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble. And with comfort we ourselves receive from God. God doesn't inflict pain and suffering on us. God comforts us. The God of all comfort comforts us so that we can comfort those who are also going through trouble. God comforts us. Scripture makes clear that suffering and troubles are not determined by our faith. And so the accusation was, you must have some unconfessed sin in your life. But the response is, choosing faith in the midst of suffering does not eliminate pain. I want to tell you about some friends of ours that we met while we were living in America Ted and Karina. Ted was a pastor at the local church where we were attending, and recently, um, Karina started journaling on Facebook about her journey with Ted because Ted had had a major stroke and he was in the hospital. And so it was fascinating to read uh, Karina's journey of faith as she struggled with Ted being in the hospital. And I wanted to read this to you. It was her last post. She said, I'm sad. My heart is aching. I feared this day would come, but I hoped it would not. And as most of you know, today I had to tell my sweetheart that I would see him later and let him go into the arms of Jesus. Please don't think I'm heartless when I say that it wasn't as hard as I thought it might be. Don't get me wrong. It was the hardest thing I ever had to do, ever. But the alternative was to watch him struggle and fight when he was completely worn out. It wasn't fair of me to make him stay and to let the machines breathe every breath for him, only to have another complication on another day that would eventually take him away from me anyways. So today we made the heart-wrenching decision to disconnect all the artificial things and let Jesus walk him home. I prayed and I prayed that God would let him, let me bring him home. I asked him to let me walk him home. Some of you have prayed those same things on my behalf. But God had better plans for Ted. You see, in my faith journey, I've learned that prayer isn't a wish list. God isn't Santa Claus. Prayer all by itself can be a journey. Selfishly, I wanted Ted to get well, to get up out of that bed, and to be Ted again. But true healing, I discovered, meant... That God would take Ted home with him where Ted will no longer have any pain, no disease, and no more suffering. Karina's response was a beautiful picture of the faith to endure through the pain. And I know many of you have had to suffer life's most difficult and painful times. Pain does not come because of a lack of faith, as Job's friends tried to say to him. Choosing faith will not always eliminate your pain in this life. Now, sometimes pain is a result of sinful behavior, but that's really more of a consequence of the behavior that you were doing. But that's not the kind of pain that Job was suffering. His pain was not brought on because of some sin that he had done. Okay. Accusation number two from his friend, Bildad. What a name. Bildad accuses uh, Job of being angry with God. He says, you must be angry with God and that's why you're suffering. Listen to what Job has to say to Bildad. He says, if I say I will forget my complaint, I will change my expression and smile, I still dread my suffering. He says, I loathe my very life. Therefore, I will give free rein to my complaint and speak out in bitterness of my soul. Heart-wrenching from Job, isn't it? The lesson we learn from this is that it's okay to have complaints about your conditions in life. It's okay to have complaints about the pain and suffering that you have to go through. We don't have to be happy and put on a smile when suffering occurs. But as Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, in your anger, do not sin. That's the challenge. But God gave us the emotion of anger. And Jesus himself got angry. Jesus got angry at the human condition. When his friend Lazarus died, the Bible says that Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He was sorrowful with that deep kind of sorrow because he lost his friend because of the brokenness of the human condition. But Jesus also got angry at the righteous leaders, self-righteous leaders. The self-righteous leaders that, that accused Jesus of sinning because he healed someone on the Sabbath. This is what the Bible says. It says, Jesus looked at them in anger and deeply distressed. And then he said, you hypocrites to them. Jesus got angry at the self-righteous leaders. Jesus got angry at the leaders when they were making it difficult for people to approach God in the temple. And so he went into the temple, and he turned over the money changers' tables because he was angry at those leaders preventing people from drawing near to God. And so the accusation, you must be angry with God. But the response is that choosing faith in the midst of suffering will not prevent feelings of anger, nor will it stop the questions. And that's okay. It's okay to question God. And when you read the book of Psalms, you realize that the writers of the Psalms questioned God a lot. They wrote their emotions, they wrote their feelings. Sometimes they were angry, lots of times they had questions. David wrote in Psalm 13, verse 1, He says, How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide yourself from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow? In my heart. But by the end of Psalm 13, David comes back to remembering and praising God. He says, But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. In the midst of his questioning. And I always go back to the quote from Bono in this time. (laughs) <laughs> Many of you have probably heard this quote, um, but Bono says this in the Rolling Stones interview. He says, that, the music that really turns me on is either running toward God or away from God. Both recognize the pivot that God is at the center of the jaunt. And so the blues, on the one hand, running away. Gospel, the mighty clouds of joy, running toward The blues are like the Psalms of David. Here was this character living in the cave whose outbursts were as much criticism as praise. There's David singing, Oh God, where are you when I need you? And you go, this is the blues. You can hear him say that, can't you? This is the blues, man. Both deal with the relationship with God and that's really it. And I've since realized that anger with God is very valid. I have to agree with Bono there. It's okay to be angry with God, but in your anger, do not sin, the Bible says. And one of the real dangers of suffering is also that we will run to something other than God, that we will run to our addictions to to dull the pain and the suffering and sorrows, that we will seek to dull or escape the pain through some other sinful behavior, that we will run away from God in hopes of finding some way to dull our pain. But the lesson we learned from Job is that in our times of pain and suffering, we need to run toward God. We need to run to God. And we need to cling on to God and to cling on to our faith. I have this book of Maori Proverbs that my wife gave me. And the Maori Maori have a Fakatoki that says, Kia u kite pai. And that comes directly from Romans 12 9. That says, Kote hetemea kore. Kia riha ite kino. Kia u kite pai. And it simply says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Cling to what is good. God is good. And in our times of pain and suffering, we need to cling to God. We need to cling to the goodness of the God who comforts us in those times. It's so essential. In those times when we're angry about our situation, when we're frustrated with the situation, it's easy for us to run away from God. It's easy for us to be so angry that we remain in that state of anger and bitterness because of what we're going through. Such a great reminder to cling to what is good. Cling to God, especially when life has gotten us down. It's important to remember the good things that God has done for us and the good things that those who love us have done for us in those times. To cling to that which is good. To cling to the goodness of our faith in God. All right, accusation number three. From Zophar. Zophar says the reason Job is suffering is because you must have an unrepentant sin. Zophar accused Job of a secret underrepentant sin. And he said in chapter 11, put away the sin that is in your hand and allow no evil to dwell in your tent. Job's reply is this. He says, I desire to speak to the Almighty and to argue my case with God. He said, you smear me with lies, you worthless physicians. It's a fascinating conversation that his friends and Job have. Job says, I am not inferior to you. He says, mortals are of few days and full of trouble. They spring up like flowers and wither away like fleeing shadows. They do not endure. So the accusation was, you must have some unrepented sin. But the response is that choosing faith in the midst of suffering, it will actually bring you closer to God. And Job didn't have any unrepentant sin. He was not turning his back on God by living in a constant state of sin. So rather than allowing unrepentant sin to separate him from God, Job was actually drawing near to God. He was moving closer to God. You know, for the longest time in my life, I had this personality trait that led me to blame myself whenever something went wrong. If I had conflict with someone, I would automatically assume that I had done something wrong. If something went wrong in my life, I would automatically assume that it must be my fault. If something happened to me, though I wouldn't say this out loud, inside my brain, inside my own thoughts... I would think maybe God is mad at me for my past sins. It's amazing how easily I had allowed the lies of Satan to influence my thinking. And it took me many years of learning and growing, moving towards God and getting some counseling to come to a realization of God's grace. I mean, I I had always known about God's grace, I accepted God's grace. I had plenty of grace for other people. If I were to err, I would err on giving people too much grace maybe. But I never allowed that grace to flow over me. Somehow I'd come to accept the lies that Zophar was telling Job. I would somehow revert to accepting the accusations that Satan was throwing at Job that I must have had this unrepentant sin. There must be something in my life that's causing causing the suffering and pain and the separation from God. And so for many years, I would struggle with being forgiven and allowing myself to live in that grace. Even though I knew intellectually that I was forgiven, I had trouble letting that forgiveness cover over me. But God's love and his grace covers over all my sins and all my failures. Now, not all of you can relate to this, I know, but I know some of you can. You see, I had this filing system in the hard drive of my brain, and I just tuck away and file away all my sins, all my failures, all the bad and dumb things I'd done in my life, and I just kept them in that file in my brain. Never once in a while, I would allow Satan to just dip into that file and pull one out and remind me of how bad of a person I am, or remind me of my my lack of forgiveness. But what I've learned is that the evil one is constantly attempting to remind me of my failures. But the Bible says that God has forgiven and wiped away those sins. I love this. The Bible says that God remembers our sin no more. Isn't that beautiful? God remembers our sins no more. Don't allow Satan to remind you of those things you have forgiven. I'm forgiven. As a Christian brother of mine, Gary Marshall, said in his new book, <laughs> he says, By allowing our emotions to rise up and have free reign, We bring ourselves under the power of these memories, believing that we are still that same person. But the followers of Christ, the the scripture says this, Jesus has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and we have been brought into the kingdom of his son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Jesus transforms us through the forgiveness of sins and the renewing of our minds.